You're listening to Cinefunk. This episode, Sincerity Slattery. Hi, I'm your host, Robert J.E. Simpson, and this very special episode features an exclusive interview with Tony Slattery, recorded in front of a live Belfast audience at the Crescent Arts Centre. Tony Slattery is one of the UK's most famous improv comics and actors with a four-decade career on stage and screen, perhaps best remembered as a dynamic talent in Channel 4's Whose Line Is It Anyway, and was seldom off television during the 1980s and 90s, with appearances in the likes of Justice Gigolo, Kingdom, Coronation Street and Red Dwarf. Slattery's big screen work has included The Crying Game, How to Get Ahead in Advertising and Peter's Friends. Recently, Slattery has made a return to the stage with a successful Edinburgh Fringe run of Whose Line Is It Anyway and a touring conversation show with cinepunk regular Robert Ross. Since the early 2000s, Slattery's experiences with mental health have been very public and we were delighted when Tony agreed to come to Belfast to take part in Cinepunk's programme of mental health-focused conversations. This would mark his first stage appearance in the city since 1983 when he, along with Richard Vranch, was supporting the Flying Pickets at the Grand Opera House during the 20th Belfast Festival at Queen's. We recorded two shows in Belfast. A Comedy of Madness was an examination of comedy and mental health between Tony, Robert Ross and myself, and will be released on the next instalment of the podcast. The second night was an unscripted long-form conversation between Tony and me, exploring his career and his mental health experiences, and it's this that you're about to hear. Both shows were also recorded by Sundog Pictures for a BBC Horizon documentary, What's the Matter with Tony Slattering? A quick heads up, the sound quality on this recording is not up to our usual standard, owing to a faulty mic. Uh, we may have access to an alternate recording at a later date, but have chosen to issue this now to tie in with the documentary's release. It's an important conversation and is presented here uncut. There is some distortion in the opening moments, but this settles down pretty quickly, and we apologise for any interference in your listening experience. We opened the show with a brief improv clip from Whose Line Is It Anyway? Series 5, Episode 9, produced by Hattrick Productions for Channel 4 and broadcast 30th April 1993. It's an example of the Alphabet Game and features Tony and Mike McShane. This is Sincerely Slattery. Alphabet now, this is for Tony and Mike, we're to come down, and uh, they have to do a scene. They have to speak successive lines, we're starting with successive letters of the alphabet. Very straightforward, don't have to start with A there, you've got a favourite letter? I. Q or I? And Q is a good one. You start on Q and the, you end on Q, and uh, your two pilots are landing a plane, presumably, starting on Q. Quentin, can you open up the flaps? We're coming in pretty fast. Right. <laughs> sure is wild the way you work those wing flaps. Terence, there's something I've been meaning to tell you, and I'd like to tell you before we land. Under duress, I hope. Very duress, yes. Well, spit it out. <laughs> Xerxes is my name. It's, it's not Quentin after all. You know, I'd suspected that for quite some time. Zero Foxtrot Bravo. <laughs> uh, we're going to bank around the airport a couple of times. Altitude seems to be holding up. Bloody hell! The petrol is <laughs> falling out of the back of the plane. Core, blimey, Gump, we're gonna crash! We're gonna die, die, we're gonna die! Enough has fallen roll. Quick, hit in the emergency fuel tank. Try to get some speed up, we'll come back in slow. Fuel tank's fractured. <laughs> Great leaping lungfish, we're gonna toast! 
Nancy, scream real camp. Yeah, that's gonna do a lot of good. Jeanette! Jeanette! Quick! Serve us some coffee! Knowledge of her name is not going to help us out of any situation for crying out loud! Leave her alone! She's my wife, as if you didn't know. My woman, as if you didn't know. Nanette, what are you doing here? I thought you were in Switzerland. Oh, Nanette, you've been down there the whole time. <laughs> Please, Nanette, not now. We're going to crash. Question. Ah, the, the brilliant S&M of Whose Line Is It Anyway? Tony Slattery and Mike McShane. Hello, welcome to the Crescent Arts Centre. I am Robert Ross. I am going to be off the stage very shortly. Was anybody in for yesterday's show about mental health in comedy? One person. That was really good. Where was the rest of you? We have no excuses. Uh, it is my absolute pleasure to introduce two of my dearest, closest friends. Please welcome to the stage film historian Robert J. E. Simpson and the comedy legend that is Mr. Tony Slattery. <laughs> That's it. He's not getting up now for the rest of the night. <laughs> These, uh, these uh, uh, armchairs are really low, and so it's it is impossible to look uh, cool. So <laughs> there's no point in trying. Hello, thank you very much. <laughs> Who is Nanette? Or Jeanette? It was, it was just the alphabet game. We were, we were talking about this earlier because we were on the radio yesterday and it oh, was, yeah. you, d you come up with the, this, uh, you'll notice I've got two middle letters in my, uh, in my name. I was asked, what does the J-E stand for? And Tony says, Jeanette. And it came up the other night as well. So who right. is Jeanette? Jeanette was someone I met at university, but it was obviously what's called a linguistic interference, and it came from distant received memory. And it was also just a, a name which I thought suited you. <laughs> oh, you're very kind. Um, you're very kind. Thank you. Most of the time. So, um, that was a clip from Whose Lines Anyway, which was the TV show that I think most of us probably remember uh, Tony from. Well, you've done lots of other things as well, and we'll come on to some of that as well. Um, but just as a kind of heads up before we start this evening's conversation, tonight is not just about uh, Tony's comedy and career, it's also about uh, Tony's somewhat public battles with mental health, uh, and that's the primary focus of this evening's conversation as well. So if you feel that it's a bit low on last, that's possibly why. But it might be high on last, who knows? That's right. I'm going to fix your microphones first before we continue because oh, no, I can I've see they've fallen off I've again. Got three radio mics and none of them work, and I'm not blaming anyone except you, I Jeanette. I haven't touched you for a while. <coughs> no, uh, I, 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 because you see, I'm an actor and I will project. So, glasses on. How did you get into Who's Line? I auditioned. You auditioned? Yes. Uh, I remember. Oh, God, it's so sad to see that and happy uh, as well because uh, 
to see Mike and me uh, enjoying ourselves and making uh, deodorant cloth. And it, that was quite a giggle. The alphabet game is really one you can play at home as well. Good children as well without being arrested. <laughs> and also, it will teach them how to spell. And uh, we can play it now or we can play it later. We play it later, I think. Okay. <laughs> Well, you haven't asked the audience yet. Would you like to play the alphabet game? Yes. Tony was threatening improv earlier on. I, I had hoped we'd get a boy from this, yeah, but no. Right, no. <laughs> no, you were, actually. Um, oh, how did I get in? Sorry. Because uh, my mind wanders a bit uh, these days for a variety of not very hilarious reasons. Um, so you, audi yeah, you auditioned? I auditioned. It was the first time and the only time I've actually hustled for a part because Whose Line uh, was a game I heard on the radio and then I heard they were doing it on uh, telly and I said to uh, the person who was then my agent, oh god that makes me laugh, do you think I'd have any chance of being any good? I said well I'll arrange an audition and I went and I got the part and then I did it for eight years or so and um, and it went down well. It didn't invent improve, but it uh, popularised it, you know, through Channel uh, 4, and uh, Dan Patterson and uh, Mr Leveson, and uh, they put the format, as it were, together, and it was jolly good uh, fun. And then it went to America, and I didn't go because... Uh, I was told it was going to be rehearsed and I'm not such a fan of pretend improvisation and shows where you come on and there's Pavlovian laughter just by walking onto the stage and people dislocate their arms <laughs> uh, just because you managed to walk and they did uh, onto the stage, which is what happened there. <laughs> I mean, I know your applause was, I, I, I felt the warmth, thank you, but it was also, oh, poor old Stoddard. I thought he was dead, look at him. Should we get a blanket and face him out to sea? Um, I, I, I knew that and thank you for that. Um, but I, so I didn't go uh, to America. And I think that's because I uh, wanted it to be properly improvised and uh, shot in a way that didn't show my age. Because, as you can see, I've aged a bit since that clip. Mm. Is this answer too long, or shall I just... No, this is, this is good, this is fine. Okay, I've aged a bit. Oh, well, now, I'm... Uh, what am I now? Oh, at the time of this recording, I'm... Uh, <laughs> you won't guess. Okay, battered in the front row. How old do you think I am? Please shout, and, <laughs> and it doesn't matter how insulted I feel. Mm -hmm. Honestly, it's better to answer him. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Are you single? <laughs> You're not. I, I, and I, I don't. Does that matter? It does to me. I You're not. Know. You're not single. I'm not. I have a partner of 32 years and he's in the audience. <laughs> Mark, that's because I happen to be a gay man. <gasps> How outrageous is that? I've been to say anything.
No, no, it's okay. No, we, we've, we've just passed legislation. It's oh, allowed now. Oh, oh, right. Yes. Yes. That's it. Uh, where was I going with this? Oh, I know. I was going with the fact that I, uh, if there's anyone from uh, a pharmaceutical industry in the audience or a cosmetic surgeon, I can do ads. I used to do ads. All I need is that camera and another one over there. And because you said 52, Madam, what's your name? Mags. Mags. Okay, so I'll pretend to be straight, right down the camera. <laughs> Hi, Mags. I know, <laughs> I know you think I'm at home, and I am your husband. <laughs> I'm 52. Camera, that's right, 52. <laughs> <laughs> Buy this. Rub it on your face, and then you can be 52. <laughs> this is for you, Mags. <laughs> No, actually, I'm, oh, that's so sweet of you, Mags, because I'm 59 and I'll be 60. Hmm. In, in, what day is Today's Thursday, you're 60 on Saturday. I'm 60 on Saturday, Mags, and you said 52. Round of applause for Mags. Turning into the Jerry Carl show, really. So, uh, so what is it about improv that, that, that you like so much? Because even now... That it's, sort of thing, what Mags did there. Just take, it, take it from there. Thank you, Mags. And I'll keep thanking you. <laughs> but it's, it, it, I mean, is it more than that? Is it more than just having that instant response? I mean, you've been doing improv. You, I mean, I, I described you as the king of improv. Oh, God, no. Well, I was bigging you up, Tony. And, uh, you know, you, you were a huge influence on me and also a lot of people um, in terms of, you know, we, we watched you. You just had such command of, of the stage and your presence and your ability and your sharp thinking. Um, but you still work in this kind of improv field all, all these years later. When you're doing your, your, your interviews like this, you don't like to be prepared for no, them. No, I, I prefer it not to be because, um, I mean, you look at the, the people who are great at really uh, learned and great at uh, anecdotal stuff and they know the stuff which is going to work. But one, my memory's a bit shot. Uh, for various reasons at the moment. I might, it might be um, recoverable, but um, I prefer it just to answer on the spot with um, honesty and as much precision as I can muster. And things will occur to me, anecdotes, uh, but the impro thing, I think, so I'm not going to get on to Brexit <laughs> but I will. <laughs> I think the problem with uh, this is just the problem with Brexit is that, and I was taught this at an early age because my teachers, nuns and priests, and they were good and bad both because uh, it was mostly Jesuitically uh, influenced, was that they taught that if a question is badly predicated then you can't have a good answer. If it's a bad question, or just uh, sloppily asked, mm. you cannot proceed. And that's the uh, same with, with interviewing. The, the interviewee can only be as good as the interviewer. Mm. Uh, otherwise, it's, it, it will be just so hard. Sorry, I was. I did Dawn French there. Well, I did some shows. How are you? 
I'm all no, right. I'm all right. Yeah. What accent was that? I don't know. What was yours? Mine was Welsh. Was it? <laughs> uh, I'm fine, Tony. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? No. No, you're not. Um. um. Oh. <laughs> so with improv, um, how does one go about? You watch your moustache. I wax it especially for you because you asked me to backstage. No, you asked me. I asked you. This is about questions and whether they're predicated. You asked me Uh whether I wanted to ask you to wax it. Now, that's a different game altogether. Oh, well, we did talk about this earlier on this afternoon and you commented on the fact that my moustache was not waxed and you asked if I could wax it tonight. I did. I was talking about a Brazilian. (laughs) Who says I haven't? Well, prove it. <laughs> Maybe later. Cheese. Always. Mm. 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 And this is how info works, is it? <laughs> I don't know. No, I, I still do it live, and uh, that was really uh, nostalgic to see that. It really was. Well, the chemistry you and Mike have is, is, is fantastic. You, you worked a lot with Mike. I did, you, I did. you had a separate show with him as well. That's right. It was a show called... Uh, I'm shouting because I don't know whether these radio mics are working. Can you guys hear him okay? Yeah. Yeah, you're okay. fine. So the show with Mike, was it? It was called SM. SM. And, uh, yeah, and it was just me and Mike um, improvising. And uh, Mike is a friend and I love him dearly. And uh, I worked with him at the Edinburgh uh, Festival and uh, last year in, in just all, all, all the old gang. Uh, coming together, and uh, I think improv is really uh, good at keep, keeping keeping in mind, keeping the synaptic um, jumps and the serotonin and the noradrenaline and the dopamine sparking uh, without uh, necessarily using <clears throat> uh, psychotropic um, uh, medications, even though I think they are useful. Uh, antidepressants are useful, but they are not the universal panacea. Uh, I know that. And also, uh, I was thinking of a, a, a kind of a riff on the ditty, where you dust yourself up, brush yourself down, and start taking more Prozac and blame someone else. <laughs> Which is what often happens. That's not what you do, though. No. What do you do? I blame myself. You blame yourself? Yes. Why? Oh, because I think the obverse of narcissism is self-loathing. They're both evil twins. It's like anemia and... uh, Which is... Ah, now this is interesting for here, I guess. It's... um, mm, I had full uh, full bloods. Mm, as part of my uh, yearly medical. And one of the things that was off the scale, apart from uh, too much gamma GT, which is uh, down, to drinking too much alcohol, was a vast, off the scale, reading of uh, red blood cells, as opposed to absence, which is uh, anemia. Hemochromatosis, but I didn't reach into the thousands. And it's called a Celtic disease. It's called a Northern European... I don't know any medics in the audience. And, um, yeah, that's 
What was the answer? Um, we were talking about, well, you got into sort of the self-loathing and the narcissism being basically almost two sides of the same coin. That's right, and that's why I went into anemia, uh, which is, you know, lack of red blood cells, and too much, too much of anything is bad for you. Too much water will kill you. Hmm. Too much air will kill you. Too much of anything will kill you. And um, so that, that principle of <coughs> self-loathing, I've always thought is, is and it's not the opposite, it's an obverse of narcissism in the same way that um, anemia and hemochromatosis are obversist in um, blood terms. You would probably have been accused at various points in your career of being possibly something of a narcissist. Okay. I mean, does that, does that private eye um, cartoon that everyone keeps on referring to where Tony's phone rings, picks it up, and it's Tony Slattery, I'll do it. That's right. Yep. Um, and and, and uh, because I wasn't um, born into money, and my mum and dad came from uh, southwestern Ireland, the uh, uh, island of Ireland, Colomar, and... Uh, <clears throat> Uh, County Clare, and uh, they came over um, at a time after the war when they uh, were in search of a better life, and but they had to put up with signs on the, on the doors saying, uh, my mum told me this, it's not shortly before, she told me something else before her her death, but she told me this when, when I was uh, in my 20s. There was a sign which said to you know, people who were uh, trying to uh, find somewhere to live, somewhere to work. They said, no niggers, no queers, uh, dogs welcome. And that was sh shocking, but to answer your question, I, <clears throat> I worked so much mm. uh, because because uh, I didn't know I make who while the sun shines and also um, I didn't know what to do with money so I spent it foolishly but I did some good things as well with I bought my mum and dad a house and I was um, I'd like to think I was kind to 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 people and gave lots of it away but some things I did very foolishly and selfishly. Uh, but the, 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 the overwork came first in the chronology. So is this, is this kind of, you know, you, because you came from a working class background, because you didn't have anything in your youth, whenever there was the chance to make something, you just did more and more of it because you, you didn't know, because, because it's, it's the, the ability to have what you didn't have earlier on, I'm is, is, is I'm that sure, it? I'm sure that's part of it, but, uh, but it's, it's also, uh, I think mm, that's, so you get this money, but also if you enjoy doing what you're doing and you enjoy uh, making people laugh, which you, you do, which you do, yeah, and and entertaining, uh, but then all all work and no play, you know. And uh, I always think of myself as one of the twins from The Shining. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which one. Uh, but, Both. Um, uh, but it doesn't does, does, does make you a dull boy. It makes you a psychopathic or sociopathic boy. And then. Uh, the thing of all, 
all this work and all this drive to be uh, an entertainer, and, but not just, not just laughter and applause, which, as we all know, are the second most addictive things known to mankind. Uh, and then when, when you come off stage, what, what do you do? You've got to, you can't go straight to sleep with this. You took a mm. load of sleeping pills or a, a load of drinks. So, uh, so it was overwork. And then mm, it was, in my case, uh, uh, cocaine abuse. And to come down from that, it was alcohol. And uh, then, uh, <coughs> obviously, the cracks began to show so in a sense that narcissism I think is part of you've got to be any performer has to have a certain level of narcissism to go on stage in the first place because you've got to have something you think otherwise you go on and you're a complete trembling wreck you've got to think with inside yourself that I must have something to offer otherwise I wouldn't be uh, propulsed on stage. I think we were talking about this last night as well, about this idea that, you know, you, you have to be in some way narcissistic to get up on a stage. You have to have in some kind of self-confidence. But at the same time, I mean, you talk about self-loathing, but a lot of performers also are very fragile beings. They, they struggle with these sort of situations. You know, we, we, we are scared of, of what's out there. We're scared of not being liked. You know, as you and I are standing backstage preparing ourselves to come on here, there is always that fear. When you were waxing my moustache, uh, and I was fitting you with your wires. Um, there's a chance we come on here and there's deathly silence, and that, that is a terrifying prospect. This is happening now. There's, no, there's a laugh. They're with us. There was a gentle giggle. I think, but I think that's a genuine warmth, and that's a, I mean, you, you can tell the difference between an audience that's with you and isn't with you. Oh, I think and so, I, yes. And yes. in all fairness to you, I've been at some of your shows where it's been that, where it's, it, it's gone that other way, and it maybe it hasn't been so comfortable, where you haven't been maybe quite so, quite so focused, quite so clear, where you've not been oh, in perhaps such a good space. Do you mean uh, when I'd had a drink inside me, or, or indeed when I hadn't, and when had, uh, I had been hmm, unbalanced in some way and Possibly. overcompensating, which I, which I do linguistically quite a lot, I become very... But you, but you, but you're very good. But, but I mean, linguistically, you are you. You were a languages student, mm. which I don't think I certainly hadn't realised. Um, you know, you went to to Cambridge, to Trinity in Cambridge, Trinity and Hall. Trin, sorry, Trinity Much Hall in Cambridge. Okay. Cambridge. Okay. So Trinity Hall, Cambridge. And 1486 founded. Yeah. And what did you study? Modern and medieval languages, specialising in the phenomenology of religious ecstasy. It's helped me so much. <laughs> we'll come back to in that. In my career. Um, but your, your linguistic ability is, I think, one of the things that, that made you shine out on Who's Line. Uh, and it's one of the things that's very clear for, I mean, I've known you slightly for the last what, year, year and a bit. Yeah. Um, and at any conversation we have, your ability, your use of language, your, your brain is just processing things so fast and you're so articulate. Um, and that linguistic thing obviously is very, very important to you. Um, you mentioned the alcohol there. Yep. So can we talk about that a little bit? Sure. And you mentioned it um, also last night. So last night you said that you drink every day. I cannot remember a day, given that I 
was forced to have my first drink at the age of eight, which is quite young. Mm-hmm. And you've been drinking since that? Yeah, not, I, I wouldn't say every day since the age of eight. But after that, at some point, you've started drinking and it's a well, regular thing now? Well, think at school, I was more interested in sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, were, you were a judo black belt. I was a judo black belt. And I represented England against uh, Holland in Rotterdam. We were crap. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and I was banned as well because I used an illegal throw, which I can... Uh, no, remember, we have the mics on, so the mics will get damaged. The mics don't work anyway. So. <laughs> as long as you will get your cameras. <laughs> okay, um, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but then I got into uh, languages and then uh, got into Cambridge and that was the most wonderful time, this beautiful... I'm talking about the, the, um, the architecture of, of some of the architecture of Belfast. It's just beautiful. And so my, my point is mm. that uh, having grown up, basically, it was in a, what would be regarded now as a slum. Uh, you know, my, my triple brothers, my sister and me and mum and dad in, 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 in two rooms. Uh, I was the mistake of the um, family, because my mum and dad practised, I believe, I, I don't know whether this is still an offensive uh, phrase, Vatican roulette. <laughs> <laughs> Probably is, I don't know what PC nowadays or anything. Uh, so I got the short straw and... How much older are your siblings than you? Uh, well, my, my sister's uh, uh, sadly passed. And she was young and she uh, fell victim to uh, cancer. Uh, my three brothers are still alive. I'm not really um, uh, in touch with them. Uh, I, um, um, so so I, I, I was the last one by about five years, about five years through an accident, as it were, uh, because they were still presumably getting it on. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. Were you told that, that, that you, yes, you, 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 she said that you were an accident? Yes, uh, but she told me something else which was really lovely, and this was shortly before she died, actually. She said, Tony, no, and this is how uh, I spoke, except when uh, she, she would love this as well, except she was on the phone, and then she'd go a bit posh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and she knew she was doing it, as opposed to, hello, Tony, no. But before she died, she said, um, now, Joey, um, uh, there's a couple of things. She told me a couple of things. Well, I'll tell you this one first. <coughs> uh, she said, now, Tony, you're a mistake. You're a mistake. And I tried to hand you over to the doctor because uh, they couldn't afford another, you know, yeah. uh, child. They just couldn't. And what she said was, <coughs> The doctor's name, is it true, was Dr. Hyman. <laughs> and he was a very, <coughs> was a very brilliant, kind uh, uh, Jew, and, and he did speak quite uh, in, 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 in the Yiddish mm-hmm. way, and I said, this is a mistake. This is what my mum, I'm just repeating what mum said. <coughs> and my mum said, he said, no, Dr. Hyman said, ah, 
Mrs. Flattery. Might be a mistake. What if it's the best mistake you've ever made? <laughs> and that, that, that's that, nice. that is something that goes with you. That goes through your heart. <laughs> and uh, so I remember that. Do you think that... Were you, so you were always aware that you weren't intended? Or was yes. that, yeah. I'm just not sure any of them were. Do you, do you, <laughs> fair yeah. enough. Because you know there's something on it. <laughs> do, do you think that's where part of the self-loathing comes from? Uh, no, that's never, that's never occurred to me, no. You know, but if you, if you sort of start off with this knowledge that maybe you weren't meant to be here, does that start to feed into everything else? Oh, something on the psychiatrist's couch. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to be fun and sun. We've got a bit of that too. Um, no, that, that's honestly never occurred to me. That, mm. okay. Because I was loved by my parents, no question. And uh, happy childhood, a bit solitary, because um, my brothers were, you know, uh, a unit as triplets. Mm -hmm. And um, I... When I was great, when I was young, I made a friend, not just an imaginary friend. An actual friend? No, I made one. Oh, you, you fabricated a friend from, yes, from things? From fabric. From yes. fabric? Yes, it was... Uh, what, what size are we talking? Same size as I was. Oh, okay. Uh, from mm, pyjamas, stuffed with rags. Sorry, this sounds like I'm terrible weepy. It's just I haven't thought about this but since you just brought that up and put it in my head <laughs> and it would be a, I guess a kind of Tim Burton type <laughs> thing now I remember so it was it was it was uh, pajamas uh, stuffed with uh, rags and a bit of feet uh, knotted at the bottom and then there were the, the, the uh, a pajama jacket stuffed with rags and a cricket ball in a sock for his head. <laughs> so that's why I thought of Tim Burton. Because you know, I could make a living. This is this a great game. Doing this kind of a, you know sketching and armor. And uh, yeah, we used to fight, and uh, I used to pretend I was in the Man from Uncle. And uh, who were you? I was Napoleon Solo, and he was Iliak uh, Therefore, we shouldn't have been fighting. <laughs> I thought of it. I hadn't thought that through. So I was fighting with the person who was meant to be on my side. Um, and, uh, yeah, but that was in, uh, that was in the early days. Then I made real friends. That's kind of sweet. Um, can we... Can Except we... for... Oh. I think one of the reasons I didn't make... I'm starting to go back to this, but I think... Yeah, I don't want to be controversial, but I think... Uh, the religious side of things, I think it's... Responsible for many uh, yeah, I want divisions. Um, <clears throat> I think religion is really good if it makes people kind and uh, behave nicely to each other. Well, you're, you're, you're in a country that is constantly uh, divided thanks to our common faith. Um, so, yes. Well, I don't, well, um, we don't have a common faith. Um, it, in Northern Ireland, traditionally, it's seen as everyone is vaguely Christian. Uh, apart from the few, apart from those that aren't, that don't count. Uh, that's a, that's but that, that's a political thing that we. That's a whole. Well, yeah. That's a whole different issue. We'll, I'm just we'll, we'll get into a really broad generalisation that religion yeah. is great, 
if it makes you a nice person. Then you can think about God. Uh, I don't know whether God exists. I'm agnostic. If I'll know when I die. But then... Or you, or you won't. If, or if I don't... No, we all will die. No, but you, or you won't know. Because if there's no, no God if there's no God and you just die, then how do you know? Because you're dead. Well, it doesn't matter. Because if God exists, he'll decide whether he wants to make himself known or not. This is true. So, that's the point. If he's in a bad mood, then what if he says... There go back to... Uh, I, w I want to get into the religion stuff a little bit later because I think it is important, but there was a story you told yesterday, which I think is worth repeating, about... Oh, well, I won't remember it. There's one the other day about... <laughs> Look who you're talking to. Uh, the one about the nun that hit you on the head oh, because... No. And why, why did she hit you? She was... A... What was it you said? <laughs> right, okay. So I was eight and... It was part of... Uh, the thing that you have to stand up and say the Lord's Prayer. And I, I did with reverence and, and respect because it's a beautiful prayer in whatever language, the, the sense of it. But I got it wrong on that day. I said, Our Father who art in heaven, how are you, by the way? <laughs> One, I think it's a better version of the prayer. Because <laughs> it's really sincere and lovely. I just got it wrong and she just raged up to it. She said, blaspheme! And I... Uh, I had to go to the hospital because of basically in a state of concussion. So that was uh, physical abuse. But even then I had... I did, oh, that's... Not, my, I had the linguistic capability, and I think this comes from the, 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 the Irish thing, hmm. north and south, of, of storytelling and oral tradition, and it's handed down, and it came to me through my friends. So I had linguistic ability even then, because I remember specifically what I said, and it's, it, it was in a report. So when I was concussed, I said, do not! Assault me, you barren cow! <laughs> Which is, you know, not, not the best thing to say. And then I was sent to see the headmaster. He was a, actually a monsignor on secondment from the Vatican. And other things um, happened there. So, so that was my... That's my the nun story. Whilst there's a, a horrible element to that, what I love is I think it also says an awful lot about you and your kind disposition. You, you know, somebody, most people when they go to pray to God, they're not sort of asking him how he is. They're, they're kind of, you no, know, they're, they're, okay, dear God, can I please have some stuff or please God, no. you know, but you're actually saying, how are you God? That's, how are you? It's, it's very polite. No, that's right. <laughs> it's a, that's a conversation. That's it's something, a, it's a reciprocal it's relationship. A yes. Yeah, that, that's very unusual. Um, can I talk about Ireland for a bit? Okay. So your your parents were both from from the island. Did you have much contact with over here? Oh, well, well, well I mean, we are in Ireland, so I think we we should, probably should talk about it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Um, uh, they uh, <coughs> they took me over when I was young, and I uh, County Galway and uh, County Clare. Uh, County Clare was slightly more uh, urbanised, uh, even then. 
kind of the, the rugged beauty of it, and then uh, later in life, uh, when when I uh, earned some money and uh, got a car and drove, and uh, I took them on a tour of all their places, we spent lovely times with my sister and my mum and dad in in, in in the in the great kind of castle hotels of of Ireland, and with such beauty and grandeur and and welcome. Mm-hmm. It's like oh, sorry, this new big sycophantic. It's like being in Belfast, just just the, the warmth of the people I've seen and the, the, um, the just just to, to, to chat warmly uh, with people. So I did that, and so uh, that was last time. And then you know, mum and dad died, so obviously so this is real now. Obviously, I couldn't take them to hotels and uh, sort of bemoaned uh, and casual and. Um, Lots of others, so so very fond moment. But this is the first time I've been back to uh, Belfast since hmm, I think about nineteen eighty three. Is one of my mm-hmm. first gigs. It was at the the Opera House. Grand Opera House, my yeah. And I, I was the warm-up act with someone called Richard Branch, who you might remember. Uh, he's still a friend who was the brilliant musician on Whose Line Is It Anyway and he did all the improvised songs and uh, so I was with him doing some I don't know kind of variety shtick and we were supporting the Flying Pickets I don't remember <laughs> those because they had a number one hit with their cover their uh, a cappella cover of Only You uh, by Yazoo, uh, Alice Moyer singing it, and uh, so we were the first two bits, and there was someone who did, and we stayed at the Europa Hotel. That was the last time I've been here. Yeah. How's it been this time round? Brilliant. Good. <laughs> um, when you were here in '83, you were just off the back of. Well, it's not that long after you, you you'd done the the Cambridge Footlights. And you had won the Perrier Award for the first time. <laughs> your, your grip had. That's right, isn't it? What's that? Your, your grip had won the Perrier, the first Perrier Award oh, in Edinburgh. Yeah. For, for those of you who don't know, so I went to uh, Cambridge, did uh, this degree, but um, got sidetracked, uh, scraped uh, a T2, uh, a Desmond, as it was called then, still <laughs> is, a bishop. <laughs> no, it is, that's what it was called, yeah. And uh, yeah, it was. And um, yeah, and uh, but I fell in with a crowd. And I was interested in um, you know acting or performing even then you know entertain. I think judo. We still must do the throw. I can still do it. Well, let's leave it to the end, just in case we break right. anything. No, all right. Uh, yeah, and uh, I fell in with this crowd. Uh, included um, Emma Thompson, Stephen Fry, Hugh Laurie. I don't know what's happened to them. I, I wish them the best of good luck. I think they might have no, done a sitcom or something at some point. Uh, no, I had the great good fortune to, to fall in with them and uh, we did a review and that one, the very first Perry Award, which was quite an important thing then. Mm. It was a big comedy thing. Uh, I know it's even bigger now. But still it's is, it is, yeah. Yeah, it's gone through many different um, names. I, I don't even know what it is. Is it the if.com? Or is it Chortle now? It's to the Fosters. Mr. Ross, I'm sure you can tell us. It's, it's, it's not Chortle, it's the if, isn't it? Is it the if? I've lost okay. track. 
It's gone through about six or seven different names, isn't it? But yeah. uh, you won the first one and your gang in 81. Yeah. That's right. And it was called uh, uh, The Cellar Tapes. And um, hello, Rob, by the way. This is lovely for me watching you do this. Because I'm usually <laughs> where Robert's sat. This is great. So I've got a night off. Oh, sorry, uh, audience. Sorry. Sorry, I didn't have uh, yeah, and uh, what we got, because uh, now you get, uh, you know, a big uh, national uh, tour and, uh, I don't know, many, many thousands, 40, 50, 100 thousand. Mm. What if we get a crate of Perrier water? <laughs> but we got an immediate transfer into heart, or so we thought, the heart of London's glittering, London's glittering heart of glittering, which just went on, end, <laughs> which turned out to be a renovated morgue <laughs> in Hampstead called the New End Theatre, and it used to be a morgue and still smelt like it, oh yes, and uh, you know, capacity about 20 or something, uh, and then they won went on to do their stuff, because I still had another year to do. Uh, at Cambridge, mm -hmm. and we went on to Australia and stuff like that, and it was great. And I finished my degree, and I got an agent, and that was great. And uh, we did some light entertainment uh, uh, stuff. But it was Hugh Laurie who who, who bestowed on me the uh, the presidency, which goes back, you know, about a hundred years. One, the oldest review. It is the oldest university review. <clears throat> uh, a company in the world and, you know, spawned the pythons and the goodies and many of my uh, heroes and it was a centenary year and, I got, and because they did a special programme about it in the centenary year and uh, because of his immense impact and fame and genius, uh, Peter Cook was there and he got me out and got me really drunk, or we got each other drunk, and um, he said to me something which is always, and I, I will swear here, because I know swearing, I don't, I don't much like swearing, because it's a bit lazy, but it's just stuck in my mind so much. So, so I was the centenary president, and this was a time when pubs only opened from uh, 12 till 3, and about. Oh, Peter Cook, oh no, <laughs> oh no, they would stay open for days. <laughs> and uh, I remember him asking, so, I'm not an impressionist, but I do remember, so, so. It's such a bit like David Frost, but I think, <laughs> kind of, I think he might be sending up David Frost. So, Tony, what do you, uh, you want to do with your life? And I, being in awe of um, Peter Cook, said, I was thinking of going into Shaver's. Oh! You did make that straight. Oh! Oh, Shaver's this. Oh! Give it a fucking whirl. <laughs> and that stuck with me because I think that is brilliant advice for anyone attempting to do anything. Give it a fucking whirl. <laughs> Oh, no, <laughs> thank you, but, uh, sorry, thank you for that, but thank 
Thank the genius of Peter Cook. Wow. And you did, you gave it quite a whirl. <laughs> In fact, you've given just about everything a whirl, really, haven't you? Well, I don't know what you're implying. Oh. <laughs> um, in the, by the 1990s, you were doing things like sitcoms, like, I mean, Just a Gigolo, which I've just, <laughs> I've just been re-watching again. It was something I, I remembered vaguely fondly from my childhood, and actually it's quite fun to re-watch again. Um, and I, I mean, one of the reasons for, for even bringing that up, uh, I guess, is, is sort of, can we talk about sexuality? So, yes. Yeah. Yes. So, you're... Um, Sorry, I don't know my voice went high then. But <laughs> yes. <you can. laughs> yeah. that, that was, that's good, man. Um, that's right. Um, so, I mean, some, we were, the other day we were in, uh, in the BBC and somebody said to you they didn't even realise you were gay until the last year. <laughs> you, what? Of my life? No, their last, I mean, literally in the last year is when they found out you were gay, so they've watched you always thinking of as a kind of... I guess a heterosexual or possibly omnisexual kind of magnet. I mean, women loved you, men loved you. Right, now, I'm going to stop you there because, right, I want to pick up on the Chester Gigolo thing. Yes, please. That was a sitcom. It was very good. That was a sitcom I did. Anyone watch it? Anyone remember it at all? Hey! Thank you! <laughs> One man! But also, just, I'm, not, I'm not diverting, it's just you reminded me of something there. About just a gigolo, right? So I was a gigolo, and I was falling in love with a girl, and uh, and I had to make ends meet by being a kind of what was that? A kind of walker? Is that what they're called? And a meal escort. Me uh, yeah, a meal. No, but that that involves sex. Uh, this is the whole pretense of the show was that you know That's it usually right. does, but somehow you never seem to actually well, get I'm to I'm that just, point. I'm, no, it's just uh, going back to give it a give it a give it a fucking whirl. Yes. She was. Just say the fucking word as much as we can. <laughs> I don't want to. See if, we, see if we can get them all to say it. <laughs> no, it's because uh, the give it a world thing about if you're going to and try not to take other people's criticism either well or badly. It's it's an opinion. Go with the Because and just the jiggle, I got two, and you couldn't get more polarized reviews. It, one of them was it, these were two national newspapers. One of them was a, and one an actor does. But I remember these two particular reviews because they were so opposite. One of them was something stunningly funny, impossibly handsome. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll go with that. <laughs> but in another, on the same day, was a porky oaf who can't act. <laughs> so. If you juggle those two, <laughs> omnisexuality. Mm. I, I think, I think uh, when I was younger, I, uh, I was told I had a good face uh, for the telly. Mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, but look at me now. I still have a very good face for the telly. Still a very good face. I'd watch it. I do a good face for black and white telly, perhaps in the early days of television, where there was no sound. Oh, you've been too harsh on yourself again. The self-deprecation is lovely, but um, I, I think you're too hard on yourself. No, it's... Um, but there is something, I mean, there, there is something about your, your, your sort of... I suppose the problem is with anyone that you see on screen, we, that, that it has those sort of matinee idol looks that, that, 
people do project a sexuality onto them. And you did play an awful lot of, I mean, you weren't playing up to your homosexuality, you were playing up to, no. to sort of, to heterosexual stereotypes. Um, you do get your kid off in Peter's Friends. You get your kid off in Peter's Friends. It was a very nice shot of you lying on a bed with your bum in the air. You don't remember that. Are you married? I was. Mm. <laughs> Possibly well, reason. Well, <laughs> oh, many reasons. <laughs> No, there was a script. Yeah. I had to be, I had to be on, on a bed. But, but it, it was, I mean... So, no, but you, your implication was that the shot didn't involve that at all. I just took my clothes off. No, no, no. This is how we're going to do it, Kenneth Branagh. No, it's not. It's not. like it or not. Here's my ass. I don't care whether you're a talented big director. I just want to be naked. I could see you doing that. Fuck your bike in that. But was, was, were you, um, I guess I'm kind of curious as to sort okay. of, uh, as to sort of what you were being cast as, as, as whether or not you were allowed ever to, to sort of project on screen, you know, your own reality, whether you felt that you had to portray a different image. No, of course. I mean, no. when, 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 when were you sort of out, I mean, in publicly? I was never, I was never in. Mm. I was, I was never in with, with, with my friends. Yeah. Um, uh, I, di I, didn't, I didn't think my sexuality was the defining point mm. of who I am. Yeah. And what I did with my external genitalia was no one's effing business. Mm. And that was not through uh, shame or uh, the feeling of, oh, I won't get this part. Mm -hmm. I auditioned for parts and I uh, got them. I auditioned for, oh, actually, no, you brought something up. I auditioned for gay parts and I didn't get them. <laughs> hmm. John Barman says the same thing here. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. No, but I, uh, I can't help being butch. <laughs> I'm, I'm just curious, you know, it's one of those things... Uh, you curious. <laughs> Let's face it. I think that's established by now. As long as my parents aren't in the audience, this is fine. Um, they don't know, do they? <laughs> They've long suspected. Um, <laughs> oh, my Oh, Rob did warn me. <laughs> um, Have you got any more wax? A little. What's up? <laughs> um, so you know, well, it's hardly usable anymore. I was reading through some, some old interviews from you from, okay. from sort of the nineties and things, and it's one of those things that, that does come up in the interviews. And there's a period where you are very strict. You're very sort of, it's none of your business. And then the interviews yeah, yeah. start to sort of go. There's actually one interview I read where they're, they're, you've given that response, and then they go, "So gay then?" Was kind of their their interpretation, and then they're kind of. It's obviously an issue for them that they want to know, yeah. and we're we're in this we're in this point in time where you know we're looking back on a lot of this stuff. We oh, did the show last night on comedy heroes. Okay. The, some of those guys we were talking about last night, they did struggle with their sexuality. Yeah. They weren't allowed to be out, and I just wondered, as a gay man going, you know, working in this industry in the eighties and the nineties, while the AIDS crisis is on and everything yes. else, how that impacted you? Whether that impacted your work? Oh, no, it didn't impact my work. Uh, when? because uh, I was busy at Cambridge acting and enjoying the beauty of the place. Uh, I had romances 
And they were, it, that sounds really naively innocent, but they were romances. And yes, fumbling sexual activity was involved with uh, both sexes. Um, the, the AIDS thing, when it kind of broke in this country, news about it, it, it didn't even have that name. It, they didn't have any name for it. Oh. Initially, it was called Grids. It's called what? Grids. Grids? Grids. Right. Gay-related immune disorder syndrome. Oh. So if you look back historically, at the time, and you know what I was saying this? I, 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 I was in uh, a... Because um, I... I think I was probably finding about out <clears throat> about my own sexuality because I was equally attracted to uh, men and women, but sex wasn't so much a part of it. It was just the person. Mm. There was no phallocentricity or vaginocentricity. Uh, it, 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 mostly faces, actually, which I'm would still fascinate me. It was, it happened to be a virologist at um, Addenbrooke's hospital. Mm-hmm. And this was still a reasonably carefree time, as it were. Mm. And this lady said to me, <clears throat> be careful, Tony because there's a storm coming. And it turned out that that was true. There was a storm coming. So, since since you asked such a personal question, I have never been interested in sex for its own sake. Mm -hmm. Some people are driven by that. I know they are. but in terms of your question about me, I've never struggled. Mm. What? And I know this does sound Barbara Cartland. I knew <clears throat> when I met uh, <clears throat> the love of my life, who was in the audience. What? It's very quiet at the back there. <laughs> And I've been in with him since uh, 1986 now, and I don't want to be with anyone else. Uh, and I'm very proud to, to, to call him my best friend and my uh, partner in life. But even growing up, the, 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 the idea of uh, I was lucky and it never bothered me mm. which way, as it were, genetically or psychologically, I might jump. And, and I was lucky because so many people still struggled with that and the prejudice. I am... Um as you say, very, very lucky to, to be in that way because there are so many people that don't, and that's part of the reason why I ask. Um, I think one of the things you said that was quite interesting was that you're attracted to faces, not necessarily yes. to, to the, the genitalia. Oh, 
We're, we're up here, you know. Yeah, exactly. The physiognomy and also whether when people laugh, whether their um, whether their smile reaches their eyes, and whether it's authentic, or whether it seems duplicitous or facile or dubious. I do wonder if maybe that's part of the thing about people. The reason that so many people find you attractive is, is it wasn't actually about the genitalia, it was about the face. <laughs> I mean, there's, there, there's men, but in the sense that there's... If you've got the, a microscope, yeah. <laughs> no, I did myself down. Normal. <laughs> Two inches isn't perfectly normal, it's fine. I can't believe this is turned into a 76 sitcom now. We have been hanging out with Robert Ross for two days, this is what happens. Um, but no, it's one of the things, I mean, there's a number of men I've talked to who wouldn't regard themselves in any way homosexual, but when they saw you on screen, you know, there was something about you that was deeply attractive and something that, you know, that stirs people. So it's, 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 just, it's an interesting comparison that there's that and, and sort of... Ah, oh, okay. Fine. Um, you try and pass them a compliment and then just... No, this is really nice, I'm just baffled. Okay. I don't know how to respond, no. except to say to the men, Thank you. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just, just curiosity, that's all. Um, okay, let's move on a little bit. In, in, towards the end of the 1990s, you had the first of your um, public breakdowns. Mm. Um, and it's something you've, you've been very open about since. And it's part of the reason why we're here doing this event tonight, mm. is because you've had a very... It's the main reason. It's the main reason, yeah. Well, it, you, you've had a very... I think it's a very difficult time with the... the has it been a difficult time with your mental health struggles, or is it a struggle? Is it is it a battle? Do you like the, what, what sort of terminology do you use first right. of all? The word struck my brave battle, my struggle. I mean, I, it's I, like, I find this I find this very difficult as well because when I talk about my own mental health issues, okay. there's never uh, I I struggle to find the right linguistic right. terminology gotcha. that, that both conveys how I feel but also how other people see it yes. and actually creates the reality. So right. how do you talk about it? Okay, no, you, you're bang on point, of course you are, because we, we have talked about it. It's, it's, I think, the words battle and struggle mm. can actually... Um, mm -hmm. The lexicon of mental ill health can sometimes be abused and it can come over as if it's some kind of deliberate lifestyle choice. And you could, you could try and... One can try and look after oneself as best one can. What do you need when you wake up? I know again, but you said, what do you need when you wake up? You need clean drinking water. You need nutrition. You need a roof over your head. You need clothes. Ideally, someone to love. And then, hobbies. That's it. But you want, but good mental health. That, this, is, this is why... I think when some, it's good that it's being destigmatized as not uh, an indulgence. Mm. If it goes wrong, it would be. It's great if if you can try and get some help to find out why and to get some treatment. We're we're lucky. I'm lucky to live in a country where that can be available. It's still a bit of a postcode lottery, but it isn't. And I think I used this 
Can you, can you make jokes about mental ill health? I, I think I mentioned one the other day, it's the, the, uh, one of the only two I've come up with, and you're allowed to make it, because mm, people with physical disabilities, some of the, the funniest comedians have, have been the comedians who are uh, physically disabled, and their entire act is sending themselves up, and therefore um, increasing awareness. Mm. Uh, that, that's not been so true of mental ill health. The only thing I uh, <clears throat> come up with is who in his right mind wants to be mental? And that's the response. <laughs> <laughs> Equally, with bipolarity, man goes into restaurants, he's bipolar, sits at a table for one, waiter comes over, waiter says to bipolar man, May I take your order? Yes, I'll have what I'm having. <laughs> I think that's quite a good joke. <laughs> but, uh, but, but, sorry, my point, obviously my point is uh, um, a serious one. Yes, there are medications. Mm. There, there's, there, there are therapies. There are the root causes. It's a puzzle. So... When did you first realise that there was something wrong? I mean, I say wrong because if, if, if even that to suggest there's something wrong, and that's Essentially. why we're in the condition, that to me seems kind of productive as well because, I mean, I had this whenever I, I first kind of started talking publicly about my own issues, okay. was that to suggest that there's something wrong with me suggests that I'm wrong. There's some yeah, defect within me, but actually this is part of who I am. Uh, right, it's the lexicon, it's the way words are loaded, and that's why mm, I think Frederick Ruffer said, words are loaded pistols, mm. use them at your peril. So, so you say the right words, or the wrong words, uh, it's, 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 it's the meaning behind them. So one, one can tell, I think, this is why we were talking about faces and eyes, one can tell yeah. the difference between the normal, mm. and again, that's loaded. What the hell is normal? The normal smile in someone's eyes. Mm -hmm. so, so you're absolutely right to, to pick up on that. But if you feel something's wrong, and also if other people mm. tell you, that's, if you're lucky enough to have friends who can tell you things which you can't actually see yourself, mm -hmm. and you don't realise you're doing them. So do you, know, do you know when the first point was when, when, when you became aware of it? I think, I, I think the chronology, uh, just for me personally, because everyone's, I think, story is, is different and individual and idiosyncratic as well. It, um, the overwork came first because I was, I was happy up to, you know, mm -hmm. the overwork. Then to... to, to, to <coughs> replace uh, the adrenaline of the overwork with cocaine, mm -hmm. or at least what I thought was cocaine until I got it analysed. And then I found out it wasn't such good stuff after all. It was mostly full of shit, rat shit, uh, human expert. It was full of rat shit. That's why I was tested by a toxicologist. Oh, no, that was for the... No, I was tested for plague. That's right. Which is... Unusual. 
It's unusual. Has anyone else been tested for the plague? No. Yeah. no. Oh, Did eight, someone say yes? Eight, eight, eight hands up. <laughs> no, no hands up. <laughs> tested for Yersinia pestis. Uh, that's because uh, in a psychotic state, <coughs> I was naked under a car and there were rats nibbling at my feet. So, uh, the uh, nice uh, lady in the NHS said, and <clears throat> when I told her this, because mm, it became induced psychosis mm -hmm. and delusional parasitosis, except ironically, it wasn't delusional because there were rat bites on my ankle. I can't remember why I was naked under a car. I can't. That would have been paranoia, looking out for the typical. This is, this is around the time that you were throwing your furniture into the river Thames. That's right, that's right. Where the river police went by with their megaphone saying, Tony, we like you on telly, but stop throwing everything into the Thames. But then I, I had enough dosh to uh, clear up the pollution. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so they like, oh, there's just one more test we're going to do. I said, oh, what's that? It's nothing to, to you know, worry. No, I got, I'd like to know. It's, it's, um, it's something called Yersinia. And because I'm quite medically up on things, uh, I said, what, plague? She said, yeah. <laughs> yes, it's plague. I'm being tested for plague. Yeah. <laughs> and I wasn't, I was negative. So you all okay? <laughs> uh, but that's quite a shock to be, to be told that. So, uh, and then the alcohol, <coughs> and here I am, and I'm, that's right, 59. So is that when the alcohol started as well? After, after. After, after that? Yeah, just before that. And everyone thinks, oh, university people and young age, and uh, I know my first drink was at eight, but then mm -hmm. it was very little. And university, I was just having fun, beauty of the place, and the the friends I met, one of whom I'm going to meet later, mm -hmm. who you know, yeah, I know, yeah, and the picture of him, hmm, uh, and everyone thinks, oh, that must have been a really pissed time at university. No, that started after overwork, <laughs> coke, booze, and still struggling with the booze. Yes. So, what's your drink of choice now? White wine. Uh huh. And how much do you drink a day? Uh, today I've had uh, half a bottle, but my partner sneakily dilutes it. Thank you, Mark. Say hello. <laughs> and it's, is it just the wine you're on, Tony? What today? Just, just well, well, I mean generally. Oh, um, uh, it's mostly uh, white wine. If I, if I'm naughty, mm. and if I'm on my own, and feeling sad, mm -hmm. one, I um, play melancholic music, and I have half a bottle of vodka. Okay. But that's not every day. Liver's okay. The gamma GT, the enzymes are raised, uh, but that's true of people who have a long <clears throat> history of drinking too many units. But then if you read the Daily Mail, you see... Well, we try not to. No, <laughs> my point is, psychiatrically, you should seek help. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and I have. <laughs> and there isn't a name for that syndrome. 
bullshit either, possibly. <laughs> no, that means informational bullshit. Does it? Yeah. In which case, read the Daily Mail. <laughs> no, I'm going to get such shit from the Daily Mail now, I'm fine. So I did. The I BBC the will Daily cut this bit out, don't worry. No, it's okay. I read the Daily Mail for the health pages. <laughs> because one week, one glass of wine can make you live till 102. <laughs> Half a glass of wine a year, dead by Thursday. <laughs> Well, you're still here, so. <laughs> um, in, in terms of the alcohol, would you regard yourself as an alcoholic? I once asked a psychiatrist, what's the difference between alcoholism, alcohol dependence, and alcohol abuse? Mm. And he gave me the straightest, <coughs> also on 20 francs a day. Why did I start smoking at 50? How fucking stupid is that? <laughs> Sorry, that's swearing, but I just did. <sighs> but so the difference between it's alcoholism, alcohol dependence, and uh, alcohol abuse, and he leant forward and said, "I'm going to swear again because it's important to just be verbatim in your recall. I can't remember what I did yesterday much, but I can remember with absolute." Clinical recall and exactitude what I did 30, 40 years ago mm -hmm. or last year. He said, Tony, it doesn't matter a fuck what you call it if it's making you and other people you love mm. or indeed anyone else unhappy. The name doesn't matter. What matters is the substance. And then you just said, that's, that's stuck with me. As, a, as, 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 uh, as an axiom and um, a self-evident truth. Is it making you unhappy? It hasn't today. Does it? Generally. Not generally. Mm -hmm. But it does on occasional specifics. On occasional specifics? Does it... Uh, no, I, I, I mean... That, that sounds like I'm pretentious. No, 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 I, I I'm mean... I'm just giving you the, the, I'm just um, giving you the courtesy of... Okay, Because uh, I think words are important. Does... Do, you, words are important. You do, and I, I'm, I'm very aware of that, and I also I completely agree with you on that, because there are often very fine distinctions that mean a whole lot. Um, but at the end of the day, if you read Candide, what's the end? After all this philosophizing, what's the last thing? Il faut cultiver le jardin. After, after this intense philosophication, the end sentence is, ah, oh, God, go and do the washing up. So after all this thinking, you've got to get dressed, uh, sorry, you've got to go back to clean water, roof over your head, clothes, someone to love, food, nutrition, uh, entertainment, TV, sofas. Uh, well, let, let me ask it like this. Is the alcohol or the other substance abuses uh, causing unhappiness for you or those around you? Well, I haven't taken cocaine since the millennium. Mm. And obviously it was causing problems. It, was it making you or your people around you unhappy? Oh, God, yes. And the alcohol yes. now? Um, not so much now, but... Um, for you or for those around you? 
Uh, my partner Mark knows when I've drunk vodka because I feel very um, bleak. Oh. Not not physically aggressive nor verbally aggressive. Just so. I've I've seen you like that. So I'm, I'm aware. Um, and one of the things we talked about before we did this show was about where we could go with this conversation. Yeah. And just for the clarity of anyone who's here who's wondering why we're asking these questions, Tony said, go wherever. And mm. if he's not comfortable, he will say no. Oh, no, yeah. no, no I mean, the point. There's, there's no point in doing this kind of thing if you could just... Do, do you want to change that? I mean, do you want to stop drinking or are you happy with it? Or I'd like, I'd like to... The honest answer is I would. For my health uh -huh. and for the happiness of the people I love, and to <clears throat> to uh, perform and try and be a good actor or uh, comedian. But the only, uh, if you ask me, would you stop like like some kind of perverse, not uh, Jeremy Kyle thing? Not that you could be your completion opposite. Thank, thank God for you and the thank world. You. <laughs> Jesus, what a cunt he is. <laughs> Keep that in <laughs> Terrible. Ter oh, Chris. Mm. So, I tried to pick up from that. But, but, if you ask me, man's man, because oh. we're both men, we've established that. I haven't looked yet. It remains to be proven. <laughs> Turn into a different show altogether. Um, yeah. And I, I hope I'm able. I can't. I can't. With my hand and my heart and my soul and my brain, whatever's left of it, and my mind and my conscience, can I say yes? Of course I will. Mm. I can't. No one can. I mean, I've, I've lived with this myself um, in a domestic situation with a partner who drank far too much. I know the impact that it can have. I also know how difficult it is to accept that and to get to the other side of it. The fact that you're even open enough and to say and to be as frank as you have been, I think is, is it's a huge step. Uh, and there are many people who wouldn't do it. I mean, even to say, to acknowledge that Mark waters down your drink is something that people wouldn't do. So I want to acknowledge that oh, I think okay. that's a huge step and I think that's very positive. And likewise, I hope that you are able to get there because I've seen you when you're, I think tonight you're great, but I've seen you nights where you have drunk too much and your performance is not what we're getting today. Uh, I'm so glad that you are like this. Am I doing all right then? You're doing fantastic. Right. I mean, they're actually, they're laughing where they're meant to. Oh, <laughs> you know, we th I, th I was worried this was going to be all serious, but this is actually, you know, this is a nice balance. And that's you, that's coming from you because you are with it, you're, you're lucid and you're honest. And that honesty is what helps people, not, not lying about it, not, not shielding from it. No. Um, in terms of, of medications and stuff, mm. so you're not bipolar uh, diagnosed, you're still on, you, we, we, I, I was talking about this the other day, and you said you haven't been officially diagnosed as bipolar yet? Uh, uh, not officially, <coughs> strongly suspected, mm. and there are tests 
underway uh -huh. and and ongoing and um, imminent. You are medicated. I take an antidepressant uh, called Vent. Sorry, it sounds like I'm advertising it. Uh, I take an antidepressant, <coughs> which I find useful. It's not the universal panacea. It's, mm. it, they are useful for many people. They're completely wrong for others. Me. <laughs> They're not right for you. I was on Citalopram for a while, mm. um, which I, I mean, one of my one of my dear friends is on Citalopram, and he says it's changed his life. It, for him, it's great. It, it stabilizes him. For me, it put a filter in, or it removed a filter, um, where I would get to a certain point, and the drug you could actually feel the drug kicking in. And instead of it stopping me from behaving in a certain way, it just removed all my inhibitors. Okay. And I just self-harmed quite, quite badly, so I went off it. Um, so for me, it's called a reuptake inhibitor. So for me, uh, I find talking therapy works better. Um, it, I find, it, does, it does for many people. Yeah, but I'm always interested in other people's experiences mm. of, of medication and if you can feel the difference between when you're on and when you're not on these things. Oh, okay, might as well be open. You encourage me to be open. And you actually make it very easy to be open. Okay. So, so thank you. It's called Venlafaxine. Um, and, and the, the reason I wrote like that, that's not a side effect. <laughs> making, making. Turn you to horse. <laughs> horse dices. No, there was, <clears throat> so I just, when, when I took, uh, cocaine and it induced <coughs> uh, delusional psychoses. I was, I went to a psychiatrist because I became, <coughs> oh, it's going to sound, oh gosh, aren't I interesting? I've had these, all these exotic things. They, uh, they might sound interesting, but they're, they're bloody horrible. You don't want any of them. A psychiatrist said, after, after quite a few examinations, he said, oh, like, as in, oh, I know what you've got. And I leant forward. He said, you've got Othello syndrome. Which is, if you, if you look in the back of <clears throat> ICDM-5 or any uh, international classification of... Uh, uh, psychopathology that will be at the back under unusual and socially dangerous which is that's why I was under the car naked because the fellow syndrome as in the play of course uh, it's um, <clears throat> called, also called conjugal jealousy where you are convinced that the people you love are out to get you or they think your partner is being unfaithful uh, with no evidence at all, you go through rubbish and you uh, sniff their clothes and look for signs which aren't there and you have perceptual disturbances on the wall. You think, ah, oh, that's a sign, and it's really bad. Mm. It's a horrid, horrid thing. Now, the comical turn on this, and there kind of is one, I hope, and I hope you might just laugh. The psychiatrist said, Hmm, this is serious. There is a drug. There is a drug for this. 
Oh, thank God, please give it to me. And I took it. It was a, a neuroleptic, an antipsychotic called pibazide. And it kind of worked. But then I looked at the British National Formulary and uh, the latest edition, and under side effects, of which, you know, you read side effects of anything you take, any drug, over the counter. And if you, if you, if you looked at all of them, you'd never take an aspirin. <laughs> you think, oh, God, uh, you know, any drug has side effects and uh, contraindications and cautions. The problem with pyrazide was that the last side effect was something called SED. And I looked it up. And the side effect was sudden, unexplained death. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, I'd, I think I'd rather be jealous. <laughs> <laughs> so I stopped taking it, honestly. Uh, but, but, but a lot of them have, yeah. uh, have that. But we were talking about, we were talking seriously about, uh, and I was talking seriously about that. <coughs> what, what about counselling and, and, and sort of talking therapies? Is it something you have used or you do I, I, use? I've, I've, I've tried it. I think I ought to try harder. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're currently shooting a documentary for the BBC, so I'm That's assuming right. that there is an element of yes. that... If I say confessional, I mean, maybe yes. that's the wrong thing to call it. No, 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 not at all. But, I mean, from what I've seen, you're being quite open, you're being quite honest, mm. and there is an element of, of, of unburdening, I suppose, and talking through the things that you have. I think that's true. Is that helping? Well, it's not... <laughs> it's, not it's not not helping. That's what I mean. Mm. Sorry, I was going to say it's not not helping. Mm -hmm. Is there anything you still hope to get out of that process, or...? Oh, it depends on uh, how, how, how this goes. I'm acutely aware that this can uh, come over as, as an exercise in psychological, public masturbation and self But I don't think it is. What, what I really want is if this is... I've done light entertainment. I've, I've, I've made uh, people laugh. I've even done uh, straight dramas where I've been uh, convincing. Uh, uh, yes, I have. Some are even good. <laughs> but no, I have. If this, is, if this can prove of any bloody hell, mm -hmm. this, this programme, this evening, then I'll, I'll, I'll sleep better. I think, I think it does. I mean, even last night, the response we had after the show in terms of our conversations and being open about this stuff, it does make a difference because people don't talk about this stuff that's, an awful lot. Yeah, it's the ventilation. So, so it, can, it can seem, as, as we touched on earlier, narcissistic, but, but what if, what if it's you... Obviously, from a selfish point of view, but what... Because <clears throat> I've been on telly a bit. Just a little. Too much. <laughs> Not enough of late. <laughs> and what if someone... Uh, it, sound, it sounds... Even as I'm saying it, it sounds like self-sanctifying, but it's not because... If it, if it, can, if it can be of help, 
than it's worth doing. Mm -hmm. it's, it, actually, it's as, as reductive as that. Do you know where your problems stem from? I mean, problems, issues. That, I mean, can you pinpoint? No. You don't know why it's it's gone that way. No. No. But it's always been there, or it's. These are, these are impossible questions. They are, yeah, they they are slightly impossible. But I'm they're just not kinda... slightly. They're completely. Nothing's completely impossible. Yes, it is. If know. you cut my head off now, mm -hmm. I would die. So it would be probably for you to revive me. If you gave me the kiss of life on a decapitated head, that would not work. That would be impossible. Fair enough. So when you say nothing's impossible, <laughs> I... <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> you are. You are. I did, I did. I should have known better. Um, in but now we're coming to the end, aren't we? We're, we're, we're working our way towards the end. Are we? We are. And we're going to, you know, if you have... Do you remember yesterday lasted three and a half hours, and some people died. <laughs> yes, but some people die every day, Tony. Yes, well, we can't control them. all of those people. No, but some of the people died because of the length of the interview. And also, SED, sudden, sudden unexplained death. Well, let me just but check. Can everybody just check the person to your left and your right and make sure they're still breathing? It wasn't unexplained. <laughs> it was because of the length of the interview. <laughs> Are you saying you want to wrap it up? Yes. Are you? <laughs> no. No. Okay. Um, you haven't gone away though. You ha you have something no, I'm busy. I'm here. I'm still here. That's what I just said. I'm just trying to live up to my light entertainment persona. Is that a pressure you feel? I mean, do you feel that you have to perform all the time? That you can't just turn no. it off? You know, when you, when you put you up in front of a stage. There's an yeah, audience down there. Yeah, of course there's a bit of that. Especially when it gets tense and serious, of course. But it's not, I'm, I'm, not being, I'm not being avoidant. No, I, I know. I think that's, that's a pulse in me. You know, if you, if you go for half an hour without a laugh, you start to sweat. At least I do. Well, we're lucky. I mean, we've barely gone two minutes without, without a laugh at some point. You know, they've been very good. Well, even when we talked about death. Yeah, especially when we talked about death. Like, well... That's why people laugh at funerals. I think so. Um, well, certainly we've had laughs at funerals. I've had laughs at funerals. Tell me how. Um, <laughs> oh, you didn't uh, fuck the corpse, did you? <laughs> what a cheap laugh. Before or after they're dead? Um, <laughs> well, no, what do you mean? The corpse? You can't say before or after they're dead. Well, no, it's you can. For yeah. God's sake! Yes, but you may, your theology? you may have been intimate with the body before it was a corpse. Therefore, technically, you still would have fucked the corpse even if it wasn't a corpse at the time. Hello, children. <laughs> You're watching CDBs. I'm talking with Robert. <laughs> and we're talking about when's the best time to fuck a corpse. Is there a good time to fuck a corpse? Bye now. <laughs> Um, take good care. <laughs> Don't take bad care. Because that would be stupid. Like all you children are. <laughs> Such a shit. Such a cheat. You're such a shit, aren't you? <laughs> the language. Oh. Look at the people in here who are shocked. 
That man who's asleep there. <laughs> you're not. You're not shocked or asleep. Unshockable. No. Unshocked. Is there such a thing as unshockable? You, what, you, tell me about your day wear. <laughs> your leisure wear. It's catastrophic. <laughs> On, on, on that note, that, that's... End. No, let's open up some questions from the audience. Okay. You did agree to talk to them, so... Of course, of course it's um, to talk to me. I believe we have a, a glamorous assistant with a microphone who has offered to prostitute himself yes, tonight. Yes, we'll do anything for a glass of wine later. Anybody got any questions at all? Hands in the air. And yes. There we go. So the gentleman... You couldn't be further away, sir. Thank you so much for that. Just wait until oh, the chap with the fancy tie yes. gets to you and there. then uh, take the mic and... Um, I wanted to ask, was Whose Line Is It Anyway your first experience of improv, or had you done improv beforehand? No, but that, uh, honestly, that was the first. And uh, I, I heard it on the radio, and I think what I said earlier, that, um, that, that's when I thought, oh, I'll, I'll give it a whirl. I'm not going to swear again. Uh, I'll give it a whirl. And uh, that was it. And uh, I... I I seem to slip into it uh, quite uh, happily, and the audience like it. That was, that was honestly my first, because there was none of that, even in uh, student drama. Okay, I want you to be a fried egg. Um, you are, um, let's say, Lawrence Olivier, you're a table. Uh, can you be a broken vase? And let's do it. No, I'd never gone there. Even like, um, uh, yeah, but you just made me think of something else, an audition which went bad. I can tell you about that if you like. Or we did that last night. Oh, did we? We oh, did, oh, we oh, did. Oh. You should come last okay. night. <laughs> so, yes, uh, Whose Line was, was my first. Being kind of thrown in at the deep end, but if you're thrown in at the deep end with the, the say, John Sessions, if you remember him, the roller coaster of erudition, that he had, it was, uh, oh God, you had to fight your corner. Without, and it's not meant to be a competition, but you did have to fight your corner. It's like when Jonathan, the genius at Jonathan Price's, the actor, uh, he, he, his first appearance was opposite, because uh, he wanted to do it, you know, he's a world famous actor, and Oscars and everything. And John, uh, just because John, Johnny has uh, a great and huge mind. Seriously fucked up, but there we are. Um, his first scene with Jonathan Price was was just uh, Johnny Sessions just really going into one with brilliance, and Jonathan Price was just there for about three minutes, going, <laughs> and all, and he brought the house up by simply saying, looking into the camera, and saying. If I'd known the part was going to be this small, I'd never have taken it. <laughs> <laughs> and he won the audience over. And I got to actually, but uh, sorry, to answer your question, that's the first thing. Can you teach improv? Is that something that's, no. that, that's learned? I mean, how, how, how does one do it? You get up and do it. Is that it? Oh, I mean, there are loads of theorists and books and seminars and... Let's get up and have a go. We could do it. Anyone want to do it now? Okay, come on. But we need two more. Rob? I'm keeping you my microphone, so you can go back. 
Oh, right, okay. But then, okay, but then we, we, need, we need two others behind us. Hey! I'm just, oh, okay. Okay. Uh, I, feel, I feel awkward down there, so I'm getting up. Okay, okay, if you, um, hello, what's Hi, your name? I'm Emma. Emma? I'm Robert. Robert, okay. Uh, so if the mics don't work, we'll just shut. Uh, um, don't put ideas in his head, he's very, very much. No. I don't care. Okay. Oh, this is, the, this is what I was thinking you could do at home. We could oh, stick to a subject, but, and this is really difficult, but it's also the simplest, and therefore it's the most difficult. It's we could only talk in questions, and we must stick to a subject, only in questions. And so, it, yes, and then we swap when we get it wrong. I'm useless at this, by the way. Uh, only in questions. <clears throat> the, uh, have we got a subject? No, I'm just going okay. to do that. <laughs> Sorry, love. I know you you're, I know you're patronizing. Patronizing. <laughs> No, but come back. Nice boots. Thank you, sir. And you're straight. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> the world is... Oh, there's a world. The world is running short of something. What? T. Thanks. <laughs> Light bulbs. Light bulbs. I like. I don't know. I think they're both great, but um, light bulbs. Questions only. <clears throat> Why don't you have any light bulbs? <laughs> you know. The Why world is running out of light bulbs. That's a statement. She's <laughs> <laughs> really difficult, isn't it? <laughs> Where is it? Where's the switch? For what? For for the things. What are those? Those things. The, the bright things. What are they called? <laughs> See, I think it's difficult, difficult. Don't you know? Is there no one else around that could you answer your question? Are you not in charge of the electric board? <laughs> What's an electric board? The people, the people that make the sparkly things, is that not them? <laughs> so are you with the electric board? What is an electric board? Is that an interesting question? <laughs> are those your glasses? Do I look like I wear glasses? Do I look like I wear glasses? Ah! <laughs> Where is the switch? What's that? What is this? <laughs> I thought... <laughs> Can you bang on? <laughs> I make a joke about Ann Summers, but never. <laughs> Have you been to Ann Summers lately? Are you propositioning me? Is there any reason why I shouldn't? Have you not heard of the 2009 Me Too movement? 
Oh, you're me. No, no, not me. No, no. Okay. Okay. <laughs> how follow that? I mean, come on. How, how long have oh, we got you. now, Rob? Um, we've got another... Um, we've got about 10 minutes. Okay, dokie. Any other questions out there? Questions or comments? I mean, if there's anything up tonight that you want to comment on... You or abuse, want to if you want to give that as well. That's right. I mean, I've taken a lot from him tonight, so if anyone else wants to abuse me, you're more than welcome. I'll go to charge for it. It's fine. Is this a question or abuse? Okay. Bit of both, hopefully. Shut your face, you're not getting that wine. <laughs> what is your next fucking world going to be? Oh. Get him. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, after this programme, if it ever is aired, I think probably nothing. <laughs> but who knows? I, I really, I really don't know, and that's why Peter Cook's words uh, ring every day in my head. I wake up, I wake up tomorrow, uh, get get uh, the easy jets, and if it lands, <laughs> more through luck than judgment. We all know that. I'll get out of the baggage hold. <laughs> Take it from there. I honestly don't know. It'd be just, it'd be just nice to uh, to work, really. And um, I like pies and mash. What's one, that you do? So one thing we don't do here in Northern Ireland really is a good pie and mash. Is it not? Not really. Okay. There's no no pie and mash shops, is there? No. No, no thank you. What would what what is the Northern Irish equivalent of pie and mash? Would you say? Ooh, because pie and mash is you know fish uh, and chips. Kind of he scoffed all the fish and chips in Botanic Avenue last night. I don't think there's any left. Um, yeah, fish and chips for us. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you miss pie and mash? Yes. Do you, <laughs> very much. I'm going to ask a question which I know could sound close, but do you miss the performing aspect? Do you, do you miss acting? Because you don't do as I much of it. I just answered that. You said, you know, you said you didn't know what you were going to do next. No, I said I miss performing. You do miss you performing? Just, yes. Do, and and um, is, is a particular kind of performing you miss more than one or the other? Um, I mean, do, do you have a preferred sort of performance? Because you've, you, you, as you said earlier, you've been a strip. You see you're drifting now like you did yesterday. Oh, shut your face. <laughs> Anyone else got some abuse they want to send my way? <laughs> I'm not any abuse. You're but, you, but, you've, but you've been a straight actor. You have. I'm not. I've never been called a straight actor in any sense. <laughs> yes, you have. I could do the Prince if you want. You've uh, no. Why not? Oh, it's too scary. I could do it. He's too scary. Do you want to see his Prince? He does a bit yeah. of Shakespeare. It's very good. Oh no, it's just because no, I'm just. You can boarding off. But I'm but you can boarding off your question. I did an audition once for when the Royal Shakespeare uh, company opened the Globe. The, 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 what's it, the Rose or the Globe? The Globe? Yeah. Yeah. And it was Romeo, I'm going to do it. I like this. 
Okay. I just, I just think he's too scary. That's my problem with him. <laughs> okay. Oh, a bit distance. That's better no, no, for me. No, no, it's just, it's just, it, it, it's, it's a kind of psychological thing. I wanted, uh, I was auditioning for Princeton, Romeo and Juliet. So, Capulets and Montagues. And I'm just reminded of it because it's general sectarianism and two houses. Two houses, that like uh, the prologue. Two houses, both alike in dignity and fair Verona, where we now are seen from ancient grudge, break to new mutiny, where civil blood makes civil hands unclean. From forth, the fatal loins of these two foes, a pair of star-crossed lovers, take their lives from piteous misadventure, overthrows, do with their deaths, belly their parents' strife. That wasn't my part. That was just a prologue. I just remembered it now. The part of the prince was when they had the big fights, the prince comes in to scoff it. These two polarised tribes. And the anecdote is, it gets a bit different. I've told it a couple of times. Rob, you know, you've seen it, but it's different every time. It's just because it's seared on my mind. It wasn't a good audition at all because, well, one because of me, but also it was, right, so the actor goes in, and, you know, I, I, I was then, I still am, I think, uh, jolly, happy, very polite, courteous chap. So, uh, you know, uh, so I went in and said, Jenny, hi. This is the other people. Jenny, hi. Okay, sit, please. Oh, I'm fine, thank you. So, um, you read the speech, um, but I don't want you to... <laughs> now, Robert, I've seen this, and I remember that gesture, because I remember the fact that I didn't know what this lady was doing. I thought, I, I was looking at her hands. <laughs> And the thing that came with the two invisible airborne goats. <laughs> and I, I, because I was slightly hypnotised by this, I started doing it myself. <laughs> Just say it. So I said it. Uh, rebellious subjects, enemies to peace through thy mistempered weapons to the ground, and hear the sentence of your moving prince. <laughs> Um, three civil brawls, good. What do you think he's feeling? And again, it happens. I think he's <laughs> I think he's angry. <laughs> By doing this at the same time to each other, like two embroiderers <laughs> in some kind of contest. Be angry. Try anger. Oh, that's what I was going to do in the beginning. Try it now. <coughs> right, the prince is in. So he comes on his horse, this is the square burner. Rebellious <coughs> subjects! Enemies to peace! You throw your mistempered weapons to the ground! And hear the sentence of your moving prince! Three! Civil brawls, bred of an airy word by thee, old Capulet and Montague, a flight disturbed the quiet of our streets. If ever you disturb our streets again, your lives shall pay the forfeit of the peace. But I'll be gone!
I didn't get the part. <laughs> um, That's the time to end. It is the time to end. Um, do you have any yes. messages for people out there? Since this has been, we have been talking about your mental health. Is there anything you want Thank to convey you. to people? I just want to. Oh God, this is a big one to end on. Thank you uh, for this interview. Thank you for the chance. Uh, thank you uh, to to uh, the audience. Uh, spread the word. It is not something to to uh, be uh, uh, ashamed of. And um, there are people out there who can help. Yes. Um, folks, thank you very much for joining us today. Um, you've been lovely. Tony, you've been amazing as ever. Uh, I'm so glad that we finally got you back into Belfast, and I hope it's not the last we see of you here. Um, I want to thank as well Robert Ross, who helped facilitate this whole thing. Thank you. sweetheart, thank you very much. Um, thanks also to the BBC, who've been following Tony around for the last little while, and uh, it's made things a little bit more interesting the last couple of days. <laughs> Uh, and to the Crescent Arts for supporting hey. the, the Cinepunked Mental Health Strand. Um, we're very, very grateful for that. Um, I've not really talked much about what Cinepunk does tonight, but we're basically involved around film stuff. We have got a mental health strand. Um, check out our website and things as well, and there'll be more events coming up. It's www.cinepunked.com. Nice easy word to remember. There's banners everywhere. Um, it is Tony's 60th birthday on Saturday. I did consider asking you all to sing him a very happy birthday. No, I'll do it. But I think instead of that, I think I would like the whole audience, if possible, to uh, familiarise themselves. You know, you know Peter Cook's words to Tony. I think he needs reminded that this is perhaps the best way for him to go. So, in unison, room not rehearsed, in your, your own style. After three, you know the words. One, two, three. Give, Give it, it a, a fucking, fucking wow! Thank you. You've been listening to Cinepunked with me, Robert J.E. Simpson, and very special guest, Tony Slattery, with Robert Ross as MC. The episode was recorded at the Crescent Arts Centre Belfast on the 7th of November 2019 and was first released on the 21st of May 2020. You can find out more about Cinepunked via our social media channels or via our website at cinepunked.com. Please subscribe to the podcast, and if you enjoy what you hear, Tell your friends.